Blog Talk Radio. Number 299. 299. Y'all may have to help me remember on that last one we were talking about on the web here. I'll get that tune. I'll get that tune out of my head before we get started. I decided we're gonna do one night we've never done before, so we'll wing it. If we don't figure it out. Happy day. Two Thank you. 
Anything else? And uh, we'll just uh, you got offered tonight. You just come bring it up. You come and bring it up here while we sing the next song. Okay? Will that work? If not, we won't worry about it. We'll just take care of it later. Well, let's go, Lord, in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with all these requests. Father, we just love you. We thank you tonight. We ask you, Lord, to meet with all these things. Father, you know all the needs. You know every burden on our heart. You know every everything that we have, Lord, that, that weighs us down, Father. We know you know all the people we care about, Father. We want them to get well. We want them to be better. Lord, we want them to be able to uh, serve you and live for you, Father. And we just we just pray that, Lord, you just relieve them of these ailments that they have, Father. We pray you touch them, Lord, that you just meet their needs, Father God. Lord, we just, uh, so many people, so many things. Lord, I, I lift up to you, Lord, tonight, one I didn't remember, but but uh, Wendy May in Deport, Lord, I heard today that she's on a ventilator on life support, Lord, and she's not well. Father, I pray for her, for her husband, Dustin, and her children, and Lord, their whole family, Lord. I know that they depend on that lady. And God, we know they're believers. Father, we just pray you touch her and heal her, Father. Lord, we just pray for each one that's been mentioned tonight. Lord, we pray for the message tonight. We pray for the meeting. We pray, Lord, you, you inhabit our praise, Lord, and that you speak through your word to our hearts. Holy Spirit of God. Have your way in our life tonight. Talk to us tonight. Give us something from the word we need. And we'll give you praise and we'll give you glory and we thank you for all of it. Forgive our sins. Holy Spirit, fill us and control us and, and, and meet with us tonight in the word of God. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Be seated. Let's turn to number 249. 249. 249. Heaven came down. Thank you. 
And filled with his glory, he 
through desire of man having separated himself. This is describing somebody who's mad or bitter at the world. They have a desire to separate themselves. They have a desire to get away from people. Like I said, through desire, it means I don't want to be around anybody anymore. I don't want to get away from people. I want, I'm going to cut myself off from my family. I'm going to cut myself off from my friends. I'm going to cut myself off from my community. I don't want to be around anybody. That's a selfish desire. Right? I've had it with people. I'm done. I'm through. I ain't involving myself. I'm just going to stand by myself. The world can be a difficult place. There's no denying that. And I and I have to admit, there are times when I feel that way. I ain't gonna lie. There are times when I just like to crawl in a hole and forget everything. And I mean, and if you don't, you're telling a story too. Because there's times when when you just get kicked around enough, you just want everybody in the whole whole shooting match just leave you alone. And that's natural human feeling. Don't get me wrong. I'm not up there trying to beat you with a baseball bat with a scripture. Because I feel this way at times too. I'm tell you right now. When Sunday, when I get done preaching on Sunday night. I'm going to go home. I'm putting earbuds in. Nobody talks to me on Monday. I, I'm, I, I just need to decompress. I, I've, been in, I've been in the Word, been preaching, give everything I got, and I just need to kind of relax. And I don't want nobody bothering me. Matter of fact, Monday is, I tell, I tell people all the time, Monday's my Saturday. Leave me alone. But, but you know what? When all that's all said and done, if somebody needs me, I'm going to be there for them. If my wife says, hey, could you take care of this for me? I don't care if it's Monday. I'm going to take care of it. I don't care if it's Sunday night. If she needs something, I'll take care of it. There's, there's nothing wrong with wanting some time by yourself, but there's something wrong when, you, when you're mad at everybody and you want to get away from everybody and, no, and everybody just leaves you alone, stay out of my business, stay out of my life. Uh, like I said, the world can be difficult, but it ain't good, it ain't godly to decide that you can't live among other people anymore. I know there are people who do that. They say, I'm going to move off in the hills. I'm going to get me a cabin back in the woods. I'm going to leave everybody alone. I'm going to leave everybody alone. Everybody just leave me alone. Boy, it'd be a great life. It really ain't, though. You say that, but it's not. What it does is it shows an unwillingness on a person to make small and even sometimes large sacrifices to get along with other people, and life requires that. See, God made us to be social beings. And then it is. I know we'd like to be by ourselves sometimes, but God made us to be social. Most of the Bible, a lot of it is describing proper relationships between people, right? God, he cares how we treat each other, and he's dedicated much of the Bible to that subject of how to treat your fellow man, how to love one another and, 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 and care about other people's souls. So it's not up to us to decide whether or not we want people in our lives. It really isn't. <clears throat> The truth is we need other people in our lives. Y'all familiar with Israel, right? You, if you saw it on the map, there's two bodies of water in Israel. I bet, I, I'm sure most of you in there, probably everybody in here, if I ask you to tell me what the two bodies of water is. Y'all know what the one up north is? The Sea of Galilee. What's the one down below it? The what sea? The Dead Sea. There's the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, two bodies of water, okay? The Dead Sea, they're very different. The Dead Sea is a, is a reservoir, inlet, but no outlet. So all of, the, all of the sediments in the country wind up in this basin known as the Dead Sea. So it's, it's like so much salt in the Dead Sea 
so rich in, in, in deposits that aquatic life can't live in it. There's no life in it. That's why it's called the dead sea. Now, you, you contrast that with the Sea of Galilee. It has an inlet and it has an outlet. It is a freshwater body of water. It has it is teeming with aquatic life. There's all kinds of fish in there, and the people that live around it live very well off of the Sea of Galilee, and they benefit from the Sea of Galilee. And uh, so, you know, and the, again, the reason why it's healthy is because it has an inlet and it has an outlet. God put those two bodies of water in there to teach us the truth. Amen. If you are, if you only receive from God, if you don't ever give anything out, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get sour. Just like the, like the Dead Sea. You can sit in a church pew and hear preaching and get sour and bitter. People don't believe that, and it's true to me. Because you are not meant to just receive. You are meant to be a, a, a conduit. You're meant to be like a pipe for God to put truth in on one end and it comes out the other. Well, I don't know about the other end, but anyway, it comes out. It goes in. It goes in you and it goes out. Amen. Just like the Sea of Galilee, truth, truth flows through you. <coughs> and you'll do that. There's life in that. God's working through you. Uh, the Spirit of God is flowing through you, and the Word of God is flowing through you, and it's nourishing and life-giving. But you take a Christian sit there and just sit and hear it every Sunday, but never give it to anybody else. It just builds up, builds up, builds up. For some you make you know more than everybody, but you ain't doing a blessing thing for anybody. Amen. Oh, that preacher right there, that's good right there. That right there, that's good preaching. Amen. I mean, even if I'm the one that said it, that's still good preaching. It's truth. And we ought to get a hold of that. You know what it ought to do? I ought to say, wait a minute, Seth, am I really giving out like I'm taking in? Because if I'm not, I'm going to get sour. Amen. Just thought I'd say it. All right? So it's the second half of that verse that he that separate, he through the desire separates himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Now, what does that mean? That word intermeddleth means he messes with stuff. It don't mean he gets involved and tries to find out and learn stuff. It means he's contrary with it, okay? He interferes with others. Why? Because he thinks he knows more than anybody. His selfishness interferes with people that want to be helpful. You take somebody trying to, trying to be a blessing to somebody else, why do you do that for? Why do you, why do you want to be a get out of here? Just, you know, anytime you're not trying to do something, that, this kind of person, he can't take somebody else trying to do something with somebody else. a waste of time. Just anything... He's a grouch. You've heard the word surly? That's the kind of person we're talking about. Any wisdom, somebody trying to do something good for somebody else don't make no sense. And that's just a waste of resources and time and effort. He's a grouch. He's ill-tempered. But God designed us after his own nature. God said, let us make man in our own image. He has a triune nature, a three-part nature. And he designed us to live in a community. And the instinct we have for isolation, and again, it's an instinct, but it's got to be kept in moderation. And we, we can do it, over, overly do it. To remain that way is against wise judgment. G. Campbell Morgan, preacher, said, 
So the protest of this proverb is against the self-satisfaction which makes a man separate himself from the thoughts and opinions of others. You get away from everybody else what they say, you feel like you're right because you ain't heard nobody else say nothing different. Such a one finally rages against or quarrels with all sound wisdom. I have been around people like that. I used to have people come to church just about. Somebody didn't like something I said, so every time they come to church, they're going to pick a fight with me about it. Used to have a guy like that. I think y'all may have known him. He was here when I came. He left right after I came. He liked to pick a fight with everything I said. <clears throat> but again, he thought he knew more than everybody. Amen. And that was a problem. You've got to be humble. You've got to let God lead you. You've got to let God teach you. Listen to verse 2. A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Well, that's pretty obvious. A fool hath no delight in understanding. Because a wise man or a wise woman takes great satisfaction in that. Man, you teach me something, that's wonderful. Amen? You know, one of the greatest things that has come along in a long time is YouTube, because if you've got something that's broken, you don't know how to fix it, it's in there. Instruction manual. Somebody, somebody to walk you through the process. You can fix anything. You, I mean, it's put a lot of heart. Handing men and repairing men out of business because people fix stuff themselves. My wife, bless her heart, we, you know, years ago, our dishwasher broke. And I had no idea... How to fix that dishwasher. I was not a dishwasher repairman. My wife got on YouTube, ordered the parts, didn't tell me she ordered the parts, sat down on the floor and fixed the doggone thing, and then told me the dishwasher was fixed. I said, how'd that happen? She said, I looked up and found out how to fix it, and I fixed it. Amen? So a woman takes great, I guarantee that woman took great satisfaction and knowledge that day, telling me she fixed that good dishwasher. Amen? That was a joy to her to tell her husband she'd done it. Amen? But, you know, when, when you... When you learn something, it makes you feel good, amen? When you understand something that you didn't understand before, if you got any wisdom, it makes you feel good, right? But ain't that way with the fool. They don't get no, they don't get nothing out of learning something. <clears throat> they, they, they're too happy being foolish. They're too happy in their own conceit. And our college campuses all across this country are filled with people like this. The Bible calls them fools. They reject wisdom. And they seek to impose their own will. I mean, there are people. I, I, I watch a I watch a lot of political videos and things of that nature. And on these college camps, especially preachers who try to try to preach on these college camps, all over the place. They they so so, so smart aleck people want to stand up and try to and try to call God out, and question God, and, and and say, well, if God was this, then why that? And all this. I mean, and they do it. They don't want to hear the truth. They just want to criticize and try to mock and sound like they're smarter than God. You know, we're we're making we're creating a nation full of atheists because parents are not raising children the right way. They're not training them up in the nurture of the admonition of the Lord. You go to churches, you look, and, and, and just like our church tonight, where are the young people? They're not here. They're not in the other churches either. There's a generation growing up that doesn't know the Lord. And they're atheists. They're agnostic. They say they don't believe God exists, or if He does, they don't know anything about Him. And, and, and according to according to a research study, Pew Research, they said that most atheists are single, white, college-educated males. So the majority group in America are the ones who, who are the most atheists of all. 
in America. Well, you know, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there's no God. Corrupt are they. They've done abominable iniquity. There's none that doeth good. We've got a nation full of atheists. We've got a nation full of, I mean, not a nation full of atheists. We've got a nation coming up, a, a nation that's going to be full of atheists if somebody doesn't do something. If somebody doesn't take it serious and start preaching Jesus all over the place, we're going to have a nation full of unbelievers who absolutely reject God altogether. <clears throat> Does he have no delight in understanding? Don't want to know. That's no concern for God. Uh, Preacher John Trapp said he's willful and so stands as a stake in the midst of a stream and lets all pass by him, but he stands where he was. It's easier to deal with 20 men's reason than one man's will. Second half of that verse says with the, that the heart may discover itself. So it says it says that a fool has no delight in it in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. What makes a fool happy? The Bible says is, is discovering his own heart or expressing his own heart. Now, how does a fool express his heart? What's in his heart? Foolishness. So you can take that from a from a lying, corrupt politician standing behind a podium in Washington, D.C., expressing his foolishness all the way down to a screaming kid on the bottom of a grocery buggy in a grocery store. It makes no difference. No matter what standing you have, a fool is a fool. And the fool's problem is they're just acting out. All they're doing, he's discovering his own, he's showing within his heart. We call it, what we call it, we call it acting out or acting a fool. He's actually showing out. That's what a fool does. He shows you what he's made of. And if he asks questions, it's just to be a smart aleck rather than to learn something. He just wants to provoke you with his question to try to make you look stupid and make him look smarter. Because the fool is focused on himself. fool's not focused on God. He's not going to focus on God. The source of his foolishness, from the fact that he hasn't got his eyes on God, he's got the wrong priorities in life. And he's a fool to find humor in that fact. Adam Clark said it's a fact that most vain and foolish people are never satisfied in company but in showing their nonsense and emptiness. They don't want to talk to nobody. They just want to show somebody how stupid they are. That's where they get the light. And that second half of that verse says, but that he 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 finds delight in the fact that his heart may discover itself. Discover itself. That that verb occurs in this form elsewhere, only in connection with one other place in the Bible. That the idea of discovering itself, and that's when Noah and and, nine, and Genesis nine twenty one, the Bible said he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. Okay. What did Noah did? What did Noah do? Noah actually turned off the ark and he got the garden and he planted a vineyard and grew up a bunch of grapes. He said, hey, I think I'll ferment some of these grapes and make these. Holy, just holy, man. I So Noah got something drunk in his tent. And he said, hey, now, what is Threw his clothes off. Did it right in front of one of his boys. We don't know what Ham did, but it was something pretty bad. I don't know what he did, uh, but I know it was something bad because it was bad enough that he was cursed because of it. 
Bible don't tell us what it did, and I don't understand it because the Bible tells us some pretty gruesome details about incest and all kinds of things, but it don't tell us what Ham did. But he was cursed because of it. And none of that would have happened if Noah hadn't got drunk and hadn't uncovered himself. If Noah hadn't acted a fool, none of that would have happened. So what I get from that is nothing good happens when we act a fool and expose our ugliness. Nothing good can ever come of it. You know, when we were little, we learned from our mamas, hopefully, you can't say something good about somebody. Don't say nothing at all, right? But these people never learned that truth. They like to say something that ain't good and cause a problem, amen? Verse 3, when the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt, and with ignominy reproach. So when the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt. The wicked bring contempt with them. Anytime you're around wicked people, you're going, to, you're going to get a sense of their arrogance. Because, again, there's no humility. There's only cockiness and arrogance and superiority. I'm better than you. I'm tougher than you. I'll destroy you. I'll put you in your place. I'll put you down. You're worthless, and I'm, I'm important. That's, that's, that's the way the wicked roll. That's the way they do things. They have arrogant pride. They have a superior attitude that makes them think that they're above the laws of man and the law of God and makes them think that they're better than others and, and look at those people as if they were lesser than them with scorn. That's truly how the wicked operate. And we can also say that, that contempt follows the wicked because God's going God's to scorn those who scorn others. God's going to get those who, who hurt others. It, it, their day's coming. Amen? I guarantee you, I've said it before, I said it last time, but I'm going to say it again. It doesn't matter what those idiots in Washington, D.C. do. They might get away with it in this life, but there's a judgment coming, and they're going to stand before Almighty God, and they're going to ask for every evil deed that they ever did. Every single one of them. The Bible says, with ignominy reproach, and I know that's not language that we're used to using, but let's look at the definitions of the two words. Ignominy is public disgrace, okay? Shame, reproach, dishonor, infamy. That's what ignominy means. So you've messed up if you've got ignominy on you. And the Bible says, in reproach it says, reproach is, rebu- is abusive reflection. In other words, I think about what you did, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> right? As foul mouth reproach, it says. As you give, I mean, you turn somebody up verbally. Shame, infamy, disgrace. So with, with, with shame and, and dishonor comes somebody chewing you out and telling you how bad you are. The wicked brings insult upon those that they consider dishonorable. Okay? We're not talking about shame in the wicked. Because, they, oh, listen, they already shamed them. This is the wicked shaming those who don't deserve it. The wicked bring insults upon those that they consider dishonorable. What's the view of Christians today in this world? Not, not nowhere near what it used to be. Matter of fact, the world looks down on Christians. The world, the world looks at us as the problem. 
A lot of the world does. You take a look at that. You take a look at the way that they treated our last president. What's their view of him? I mean, listen, he wasn't perfect. He, was, he had plenty of things wrong with him. But he did more good than anybody I've, that I've seen in politics in a long, long, long time. And yet, how do they treat him? Well, I think it's his eighth indictment today. And one of them is a bad, bad felony. He got him on a RICO charge, a racketeering charge. They're trying to put him away for the rest of his life. Basically, library and speaking his mind, which you can free to do according to the First Amendment. But when you don't want somebody to run for office, you'll throw everything to kitchen sink at them, and they don't say they're going to do that. So, again, public disgrace. That's what the wicked bring. Shame on people. They, they, they give them a foul mouth abuse. Take somebody, again, I mentioned this last week, but you take somebody who tries to help society in some way without benefiting off of it, doing something good for humanity. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember when the, the insulin shots. When they first when they first come out with those the insulin shots, they made it without a patent, if I'm not mistaken. They made it where it was really, really cheap, but after so much time, the, the pharmaceutical company and the U.S. government came together and found a way to knock the price up to the roof. Let me keep going. I I, I got to hurry up. I, I ain't ever gonna get through this. All right, verse four. The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters, and a wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters. Now that doesn't mean everybody's everybody's speaking deep, meaningful words. <laughs> the words of a man's mouth. That don't mean every man's got deep, meaningful words in his mouth. I promise you that. <laughs> I'm listening to some pretty pretty good idiots in my time, but instead what it is, the idea is that we, we reveal the depth of our heart by the words that we speak. If you ain't got nothing to say, you can figure that out pretty quick. But if somebody's really got something to say, man, it, I mean, what a blessing it can be to you. Somebody, especially somebody's got some meaningful words that they want to encourage you with and lift you up. Adam Clark said, that is the wise sayings of a wise man are like deep waters. How so, howsoever much you pump or draw off, you don't appear to lessen. In other words, you just keep, they, just keep, they keep speaking words of wisdom, but they don't ever seem to run out. You know, it, it's, it's just like deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. So when a man when a man is is when a man sources God, when a man goes to God for his wisdom, when a man goes to God to uh, to seek how to live his life, he's tapped into a well. He's got a source now so that he doesn't make foolish mistakes as long as he's drawing from that well. He's going to be all right. He's going to have he's going to have the promises of God. He's going to have the protection of God. And that man is rooted in wisdom. Then, then that that wisdom is going to flow out from his words. And we see here these, these two references to water. We see a reference to deep waters. We see a reference to a flowing brook in this verse. And what does water do? Water washes. Right. We need we need that washing. needs that washing because our mind is, is constantly, I mean, it's just kind of like your feet. If you, if you, if you, if you go around barefoot all day, 
especially if you, you walk through your house on bare floors all day long. I don't care how much you sweep your house if you live in the country. Your feet, your feet going to get dirty. You're going to have dog hair on the bottom of your feet. And grit, you have kids in the house and dogs in the house that live in the country, your feet look like mine all around barefoot. <laughs> Guess what? Your mind is the same way. You turn on that TV, look at your phone. Somebody calls you on the phone, tells you about something you didn't need to know about. Your mind gets like that, too. It gets gunky and sticky with all kinds of garbage. You know what you need? You need the Word of God to wash over you and cleanse you of that garbage. As Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify it and cleanse it, what, his church, with the washing of water by the Word. When we read the Word of God, it's that deep water. It's a flowing brook of God's wisdom that flows through our mind and cleanses out the garbage of sin. And then, and not only does it wash us, it nourishes us as well. Because three verses down, it talks about, it says, For no man ever hated it, yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. Well, what does the Lord nourish and cherish? I mean, he cherishes us, but what does he use to nourish us? And his word, we're to feed from his word. So as we drink from the word of God, it, it, it washes us and it nourishes us. Verse 5, it says it's not good to accept the person of the wicked to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Well, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? I mean, it's obvious to anybody with a moral compass that it ain't good to, over, to accept a, a wicked person. I mean, that's just that's common knowledge. You're asking for trouble, aren't you? But but listen to me now. But there's, there's a lot of reasons why somebody might be tempted to show partiality to the wicked. They might do it, number one, out of misplaced compassion, out of a desire to please others, maybe because of some kind of bribe or for other reasons. Misplaced compassion, I say, because, and that takes place in families all the time with the increasing perversion being spread around, and you got all these young people that are being encouraged to be sodomites. And you take a kid that gets all caught up in that, and, and you have well-meaning family members, and they take up for these courageous young people who are expressing themselves rather than seeing it for what, what it really is, which is wickedness and rebellion against the holy God. But only we want to take up for them and support them in their pride of them because, you know, that, that, they're good people. The good kids, and, 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 and you know, love is love, no matter who it is, who you love, it don't matter. Oh, yeah, it does, too. God's, God told us, amen. God told us that's wicked. God told us that's an abomination. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Junior ain't confused. Junior's just angry with God. That's why Junior's acting the way he's acting, amen. And to get along and say, you know, we're just supporting him. Well, you're against God, amen. It's not good to accept the persons of the wicked. And I'm, I'm convinced that, that many people in power, in authority in our country, in our land, if not most of them, are working under corrupt circumstances. They've been bought. Either they've accepted a bribe from somebody, like a lobbyist or somebody like that, and so they're 
they're, they're passing laws that are corrupt and hurting people in order to benefit big mega corporations to put money in big people's pockets so they can put a bribe back in that in that lawmaker's pocket. Or they've been blackmailed if they're in the entertainment industry with some kind of maybe they maybe they took them out and made them do something on some island with a minor and they took pictures of them. They need to film them say and do anything they want to for fear of them losing everything. Or they've been brainwashed like so much of our population to do whatever they're told, regardless of whether it's right or moral or godless or whatever. To accept and further corruption and hurt those who are helpless to change things. It happens all around us. And, that, and like I said, those kind of things that, that blackmailing and brainwashing and, and, and bribing, it goes on, listen to me, for those in power in our government, for those in the entertainment business, for those who are in big medicine, for the, and, and down to the little guy in medicine. It doesn't matter. All of them in medicine, I'm telling you, they all bought and sold. Amen. The, the, the fashion industry has been bought and sold with corruption. The pharmaceutical industry is as corrupt as anything there is. Science is corrupted. Uh, influencers all over the place on social media are corrupted. And religion is corrupted. It's all of that is corrupted. All of those are overrun with wicked, corrupt individuals that despise God and want to pervert the godly and destroy the innocent. They prey upon the weak and the helpless and surround themselves and others that do the same, with other people that do the same just like they do. Romans 1, 29 through 32, it says, Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, Deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. This is the part that gets me. Who knowing the judgment of God, they know that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. It's not good to accept the person of the wicked or to overthrow the righteous in judgment, but yet we've got a world full of people that are doing it before our eyes. All around us, they're controlled by the, by the Prince of darkness. Verse 6, last one. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth falls for strokes. It's the nature of a fool to get in an argument. His lips enter into contention. Contention's a fact. You remember, you remember I could have been a contender. Uh, you know, that whole line. What do you mean? I could have been a fighter. I could have been a boxer, right? So it, uh, his lips enter, he get, his mouth gets him in a fight. Their words bring them into contention. And the reason for that is a fool can't keep his mouth shut. Again, we, we talked about that two or three weeks, you know, about the fool, if he stands still, keeps his mouth shut, people might think he's a wise man, right? But he can't because he's a fool, and he's going to open his mouth, and he's going to mouth off. 
and what the words do, words the Bible says, a tongue, it, it, it's a world of iniquity, it's the old flower of hell, words like fires. Say the wrong thing to the wrong person. What happens? Well, his mouth calls for strokes, that's what happens. And that don't mean that he's going to have a stroke, that means somebody's going to knock the fire out of him, amen? His contentious words invite punishment. I thought about this a little bit. Maybe this fool got around the young lady and run his mouth ugly and disrespected the young lady. And a real man stepped up to teach him a lesson about watching his mouth. You know, a real man don't allow some, some coward to talk nasty to a young girl. A real man will put that fool in his place. You say, well, God forgive him. I believe he will. Amen. I know the Bible says vengeance is mine, but sometimes right then it needs to be taken care of. Amen. God will forgive me if he won't. Amen. But I, I, I'm telling you, they, they, the Bible says right there, his mouth calleth for strokes. God said it in his word. I think about, well, maybe, maybe, it was a, maybe it was a fool and he talked back to his mama. Daddy said, boy, you're going with me behind the woodshed, son. We're going to take this piece of wood and we're going to straighten you out. You ain't talking to your mama that way no more. His mouth calleth for stroke. It's begging, whoop, my behind. Maybe he done gone further than that. He done wound himself up in the court of law. The judge is trying to read to him his price, charges, and he's mouthing off at the judge. You know what the judge can say? You're held in contempt. And them strokes means you're going to be sitting behind them bars for a while thinking about that mouth you got. Maybe sometimes this punishment's going to be physical correction. Sometimes it's going to be the rod of correction. Maybe maybe you got to resisting the police and they had to pull out the old belly club on you. Your mouth coming for strokes. Amen. You know, corporal punishment used to be common in this country. It really did. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember I, I remember getting called into the office and getting my hind end tore up. I remember getting called out in the hall and getting my hind end tore up. Amen. I remember one time mouthing off to her, and her popped me in the ear quicker than I knew what happened. She don't remember that, but I do. I was, I was about nine years old, and we was having an argument in the bathroom, and I and I lost my mind and raised my hand, and bang, I heard boom, my ear went like that, and I knew what happened to me. Amen. You know what happened? My mouth called it for strokes. That's what happened. I got one. Hallelujah. I needed it too. Amen. Corporal punishment was common until our country got soft and weak on sin and crime. And that's what's wrong with the country right now, is we forgot how to correct people. We forgot how to turn people toward the right. We forgot to turn them back toward God. We've just made excuses, and we've petted them and said, oh, it's all right, it's just... They just learn, and they don't know yet. Well, there comes a time when you learn, and if you don't hear me, I'm going to unclog your ears, amen, because your mouth calleth for strokes, amen. You know, God ain't for a mouthy youngin', and God ain't for a mouthful fool either. God has a way to deal with it. I'm going to close on a different note tonight. Proverbs 20:30. listen to what it says. The blueness of the wound... Cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. The bloom, that means that means you got hit so hard in correction it left a bruise. You do that today, what happens? They'll call CPS on you. 
They'll call the police. He's abusing his child. Let me tell you what abuse is. Abuse is to let a child do whatever the child wants. Abuse is to let the child run wild and then and then become the policeman's problem someday. If a mom and daddy would handle it at home, not abusing their child, but taking that taking that verse seriously, that I'm not going to just spat your hand. I'm going to tell you no. And when you don't do, I'll tell you. I may spat your hand then, but when you don't when you don't deal with that, we're going to apply some. We're going to apply the Board of Education as a seat of wisdom, and we're going to see if we can't transfer a little knowledge. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. It worked. I did it with my boys, and they they didn't die, and they don't hate me today because of it. Amen. They're thankful they got corrected. I guarantee you they are. And you know what? God's still right. Amen. God's still right. He's still right about corporal punishment. Amen. It doesn't matter what day we're living in. God's word is still right. And if you want to know how to teach your children right, and I know all of us in here don't raise our children, but there's people listening that needs to hear me tonight. If you want to know how to teach your children right, you've got to get in the Word of God, and you've got to teach them how not to be a fool. Amen? Get in the Word and learn how to teach them, and teach them what the Word of God says. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Praise God. It's been good to be with you in church tonight, and I hope you got something from it. I hope the Lord gave you something. Maybe maybe it wasn't something you could do something with personally, but maybe it's something that God will give you to give somebody else along the way because Lord knows we all need truth. We all need it. We're, we're, we're dying for truth. We're, we're, we're literally starving for truth in this world we live in. Let's share it with other people. All right. Any thoughts, anything before we go to the house tonight? Just remember to lift everybody up in prayer. Remember to pray for Joanne. Remember to pray for Scott. Pray for Neil, Dan. Who else? Donnie. Who else? Anybody? Is that it? Did I cover everybody? See? Like I did. All right. Well, let's get ready to go to the Lord. Let me go to the Lord. We're going to the Lord, too. Let's go to the Lord right now. Y'all want to? I go to the Lord.